With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Ajayi. And now, your hosts, Rick Flieger and Rick Briggs. Ajayi. Ajayi. Is there anything else we need to say, Rick? Welcome to the Asylum Fantasy Sports Show here on the Arena Sports Network. Ajayi. That's all you need to know. <laughs> what 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 else can we talk about? If if you're new to the show, we have a long sorted history with Mr. J. Ajayi. Ajayi. And so I don't know, does it give us great joy, Rick, that he's that he is succeeding at this rate or does it irritate us i don't know what to make of it but it's just fun because i think we're the only people in the world with an ajayi button on their board and we get to smash it being you know kind of old school fantasy footballers i am really enjoying his success because there's at least one more dedicated back in fantasy football that that you can pick from yeah that's going to get the majority of the carries is not be or BBC. Yeah, I'm tired of that. So welcome back to the Asylum Fantasy Sports Show here on the Arena Sports Network. You can follow the show at Asylum Football on Twitter, asylumfootball at gmail.com. If you want to join the conversation, Rick, Rick or Reek, as I just said, Rick Week 7 is in the books. We're going to cover all of the headlines from that. Game balls, stinky socks, love, hate, get you ready for Week 8, a, a ghastly, ghastly amount of bye weeks. We're going to take it a little off reservation. Rick, as we bring a budding country music superstar onto the show tonight. Yeah, I can't wait for that. We have uh, Johnny Reed Foley coming on, and uh, really excited to talk to him. He'll probably be about the third segment. That's I would what believe. I'm thinking. Whenever he gets in, you know, as a hillbilly rock star, and you never know what he's going to get himself into. So we'll get him on as soon as we can. But let's jump right into it, get as much football out of the way as we can before we do that. Rick, of course, uh, we're kind of starting by week hell here. Week 9, next week's going to be worse. But this week, week 8, Baltimore, L.A., Miami, the Giants, the Steelers, and the 49ers. So no Colin Kaepernick for you this week, Rick. That's true, but there's a lot of fantasy impact. I'm glad you got that off the table. Um, you know, Hal over there was starting to panic. He didn't know what where that noise was well, coming Cletus from. Cletus has got that super secret government cell phone that just makes everything pop and burst. And if you don't know, if you weren't listening to the Inside Slant on Sunday, we now have a control room here in Studio B at Asylum Fantasy Sports Radio here. So we've got Cletus over in the control room on the ones and twos getting it done. He's got a fancy new microphone, all kinds of buttons to push. So it's big time here and big time for Cleet over there. Yeah, that's right. And I'm sure that uh, that Cleet is excited over, well, why his, wouldn't he be? over his own room. And he gets out of the room with us. Exactly. And, and believe me, the smells emanating from this room halfway through a show, anybody would be glad well, to Well, I leave. mean, we, we are sitting here with boxes of stinky socks to hand right, out. Right. And you don't want to be in here. No. Although exactly. he had to open the boxes. So, yeah, he handles all the mail. Hey, that's his job. 
All right, so those are the bye weeks, Rick. Let's get into some injury news. This one sort of just across the wire yesterday. C.J. Anderson going to miss a few weeks, possibly more, whatever that means, dealing with a bone bruise. I'll tell you what, I was kind of buoyed by the, the way he performed on Monday night against pretty decent Houston Texans defense. It's now officially Devontae Booker time. A lot of folks have been waiting for it. That time is now. Yeah, and, you know, take that as it may. I mean, is it going to be an improvement? You're going to get more consistency? Is it going to be a downgrade? Time will tell. I think it's going to be a push, quite frankly. They've in the in the carries that Booker gets, it very there, there's often times I can't tell which one it is if it's Anderson, if it's Booker. I think it's going to be an Anderson-like performance. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Rick, they got San Diego again this week. Don't they? One of those odd deals they're playing yeah. them twice in three weeks. So that's a defense you can run on. So if you've been stashing Booker or if somehow you're in a shallow league or something, he's still out there in your waiver. Well, I would hop all over that. And I would start him right away. As I think we've seen, I don't know if I want to call it a regression because look, thinking back, I don't know that Trevor Simeon was all that impressive from a number standpoint at the beginning of the year. It's sort of his poise in, in managing the offense. I hate that. That's a phrase we way overuse. But that's what he does. And, and they're playing defense and they're running the ball and Trevor Simeon's just doing enough to keep Emmanuel Sanders and to keep Demarius Thomas fed and keep that ball moving without turning it over. So the running game's going to be a big part of this. So I think we're certainly going to get a big dose of Booker right out the gate. Yeah, I'm just – Wondering if he's more hyped than substance right now, and I want to see a little bit more of him. And sometimes I get burned by it, and other times, you know, I told you so. It's kind of – who was the – Monty Ball was the talk of the town just a couple of years ago. He was the right? man in oh, Denver. Yeah. And once he got the starting gig, he, he was a – yeah. Well, they, the they, biggest bust in fantasy football. They that do year. that in Denver, but anybody who steps in is really good for a year, right? So does Booker's year start now, or does it maybe start at the top of next season? I don't know. But everybody does really good for a year in that Denver offense, and it doesn't. Frank, quite frankly, it doesn't matter who the quarterback is. Yeah, you're right. I want to go. I want to revert back to. God, it must have been about a month ago now. To um. And, and I want um, Raymond over here included, too, because he actually sided with you in the first debate. Well, a wise decision by him. I'm, I'm giving um, Clint a chance to maybe recant his. Oh, okay. Because you know I'm not going to recant anything. No. I mean, look at the fantasy output. Look at the regular rushing output. Matt Asiata, Jarek McKinnon. I'll let you consider that there, Cletus. <laughs> I'm sorry, my headphones weren't working there. <laughs> so that's good. He just sees you gesticulating wildly. Yeah, I'll tell you what, I'm surprised. And I saw some things early on out of McKinnon that I thought I was dead exactly, right. Exactly, yeah. And McKinnon's kind of slid back. I know he's been nicked up. You know, I think I think I always agreed that. Isn't uh, that almost his MO lately, well, though? Well, yeah, that's everybody's MO True. at this point. If you see the four pages of injury report I have here, there's no chance we get to all of it. But Asiata, I think Asiata's a better back for that offense with a Sam Bradford. I think that's the difference. Sam Bradford, he hasn't thrown the ball over 10 yards. You know, he's not a Brock Osweiler who averages 2.4 yards per attempt, and I believe he's 2.3 yards tall, <laughs> just yeah. for, for perspective's sake. So, you know, but they're not the, they're not working the ball downfield. They're working the run game. They're working the short passing game. They're going to try to win on defense. So, looking back on it now, I think it makes sense to say, you know what? Yeah, this should be 
a Sam Brad. This is should be an Asiata game the way Sam Bradford plays. So I, I think it makes sense. Now you might have been right on that. Might have. How about the comment by your your man Jay Cutler? I have it written down here. I couldn't wait I to talk it. about Let's it. Let's get into that. So obviously Jay Cutler with uh, Brian Hoyer breaking his arm, had surgery. He's on IR out for the year. Just in time, here he comes to save the day. Jay Cutler is finally healthy, as if he wasn't healthy three weeks ago. Rick, I think is number one. Yeah. What this tells us with that thumb injury. John Fox goes out, gives him his public public support, and when asked about it, Jay Cutler said, I believe I wrote the quote down to make sure I had it right. Let me see if I can find it here. Oh, here it is. He goes, just Cutler stated that he had no choice but to support yeah. me, and I've got to go out there and do what I've got to do. What a dork. Yeah. <laughs> That's not the word I want to use. <laughs> I but I, my God, what's up with this guy? All the talent in the world, probably one of the two or three strongest arms in the NFL, and he's just yeah. that, That's who this cat is. He makes Eli Manning look high energy <laughs> with facial expressions and, and his attitude. And, and What could this kid have been if he wanted to play football, if he cared? Oh. I just imagine what he could have Give been. Give him a Tom Brady or Peyton Manning head. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's just the, the strength that, that he has in the throwing arm. But just this attitude. Look, I get it. I get it. You're the high-dollar number one quarterback. You're kind of maligned in your own town, blah, blah, et cetera. And I get all that. And then this doofus Brian Hoyer. I mean, who's Brian Hoyer? Who'd he ever beat? He shows up in town, has a couple good games, and now they're saying, you're never getting your job back. Then he goes down. So when you're hearing that as the number one quarterback, it takes ego in this league, and I get it, and you're mad. But come on, man. Everybody knows what the answer is. Well, I look, I appreciate it, but my job is to go out there and earn his support and win football games. I don't need his support. I'm going to go out and earn it, and I'm going to win football games. Yeah, That's what you say. What is this? Why do you only strong this. comments this week is we heard Ryan Fitzpatrick saying that when everybody else has no doesn't believe in you, sometimes all you have is yourself. Yeah, and what and, about yeah. that? Who does this doofus think he is that you can run out there and throw ten picks in freaking September, and yeah. then your feelings can get hurt that right. you got benched? Are you kidding me? This guy supposedly went to Harvard. He's supposed to be some kind of genius. You threw ten interceptions in September. You, you don't clown. have to be a Harvard you, grad to figure that. You one don't out. get to stand up there and pout. You're and, lucky you still have a job at this. And point. you're like, you don't have to be a Harvard grad to figure out. If Gino didn't get hurt, you'd still be on the bench because he was playing okay. Well, let's nothing be a, spectacular. He'd have, he'd have ruined it real soon. Don't get Probably, me wrong, but 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 the audacity of somebody now, you know, I almost excuse the arrogance from a Jay Cutler to a degree, but from Ryan Fitzpatrick with the career he's had, with who he is and what he did in one month in this league, you you can do nothing but stand up there and say. You know, feel terrible for Gino, but I'm glad I get a chance to come back and redeem myself. I took that time off to reflect and get my game. You're going to stand up and what? oh, the coach, the GM, nobody believes in me. Why would they? You threw 10 picks in September. What and are you he, doing here? And he has, literally, he has his back against the wall because they're playing Cleveland this week. Right. You go out and lay an egg against <laughs> the Browns, I can guarantee you Bryce Petty's hitting the field. But I'll tell you what, Rick, I am looking at this very hard as it looks like McCown's set to come back. Cleveland isn't going to go 0-16. No. They're, they're in every game. They're not going to go 0-16. Uh, 
even if they were as bad as the 0-7 or 8 or 6 or whatever they are, I don't know if they've had their bye week yet, they're going to win a game or two. And I'm looking at this, Rick, as one that could be winnable. It could certainly be winnable. Oh, of course it could. I mean, they've, they have not really – and I'll have to pull it up. But, okay, they got beat by 19 by Philadelphia in week one. Yeah, week one's one of these weeks you usually throw out the window usually anyway. They lost by five to Baltimore, by six to Miami. They had that game one, yes. too. That was overtime, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I'm not sure. It could have been. Washington, they lost by nine, or excuse me, 11. New England, they got blowed out. Well, yeah, that's true. New England blows people out. Yeah. That's their, and that's Cincinnati, their bit. It, it really wasn't close. It was a two-touchdown game, but it really wasn't out of hand. Until the fourth quarter. No, really. this team is good enough that they're frankly not going 0-6. And, and imagine if you're Ryan Fitzpatrick up there on the dais crying and you come out and you get beat by Cleveland, which I think I very much think could happen. It's possible. I think if McCown plays this week and Terrell Pryor's healthy, that might be my upset pick on this Sunday slant, quite frankly. It's very possible. All right, Rick, let's rip through these. Uh, I don't know how much time we have. We should have plenty of time. But uh, Ben Roethlisberger, back in individual drills, hopes to start practicing now next week but there's no timetable he won't commit to any kind of timetable we think he's coming back that right Rick? I, I have to believe he is he's out on the field so he must be getting around look this guy is tougher nails and we know he'll milk an injury he lives for this crap yeah. and he's gonna come back a week early just to keep the narr- this narrative that we're having now up right hey this is what he does he loves it he lives for it i wouldn't be surprised if that Remember, because we had the one- or two-week diagnosis, the four-to-eight one come out about two or three days later. I wouldn't be shocked if that came from him. <laughs> that, that's a big accusation to level. But, but come on, I mean, this is just what happens. I fully expect for him to be back after the bye week in week nine against the Ravens. I, I 100% expect it. That would be, yeah, that would be the prime game to come back on. That being said, that being said, if not, I, I need to, and I know he's a big asylumite. I think I need to issue an apology to Landry Jones. If that was any of 16, 18 other teams in the NFL on Sunday that he played against, Landry Jones would have won that football game. He played really well. Kudos to, to Haley for putting together a good plan, a simple offensive attack, but an effective one. And Landry Jones, save for that terrible interception on the first drive that sort of changed the tone of that whole game right off the bat, right, yeah. he played really, really well. He did, and I think, you know, the bye week came up right at the right time. He gets a lot of work with the first team. And, you know, I'm not even sure. I'd have to check the schedule. I'm not sure who they come back. They come back to Baltimore. Oh, so I don't look for Ben next week, you know, right after the bye. Okay. I look for him after that. Maybe. Maybe. I, that, that's what I'm thinking. And Baltimore's on a bye as well. They're coming off a four-game skid. Pittsburgh's on a two-game skid. Something's got to give. Right. Ben may come back. You, I, you I could fully, be right. I fully expect that he will. I, I really do. You could be right. All right, we, we, we talked about Geno tearing his ACL. We talked about Cutler. Arian Foster announces his retirement rig. This was a shocker, but uh, quote coming from, from, coming from Arian, I'm walking away with peace. 
I know it's not commonplace to do it mid-season, but my body just can't take the punishment this game asked for any longer. <laughs> what more do you say? Yeah. I, I, he, he's dead on. Yeah. You know, we've talked about it. We've made light about it over the years and coming into this year, and I believe just either last Thursday here in the Arena Sports Network or on Sunday, talking about it's a certainty he will go down again, and Aaron Foster yep. has recognized that, and he's walking away. And there are guys in the league that are like that. Okay, let me ask you a question. All right. It was, what, June? When Darren McFadden dropped his cell phone and broke his elbow, <laughs> we have heard absolutely nothing about him being ready to play. Well, I'm guessing Dallas doesn't have any interest in bringing him back. But he's still on the roster. Yeah, that I, I don't mean, understand. That's the point. Either you cut him, or there should be some sort of update. You would think of his progress. I mean, the guy's a talented back. Well, I mean, yeah. obviously they've got Elliott and they've got Alfred Morris there. But if he's Dunbar on, still getting touches. There's just yeah. no room for a. Well, you think you could make room for a McFadden? That'd make for a pretty dynamic duo. Because I think he could leapfrog an Alfred Morris, quite frankly, if healthy. Oh, he could certainly leap uh, leapfrog Lance Dunbar. Well, you would think There's so. There's no question. But my point is, he's been the talk of the of the league many times over the last few years. I mean, not even one word mentioned. Well, you, you think about it, Rick, though, logically. You, first of all, you get hurt. You don't know how long it takes him to recover. Did you ever break a cell phone, lose your cell phone? Yeah, that's like losing <laughs> your foot. Oh, you know, yeah. Cletus knows it. I mean, we've become that type of society. You lose that. He's probably still in a depression, even though he has it back. Now he's manically tweeting and on the Maybe Facebook and doing all that stuff. You know, you could be doing that, too, because some of that business goes on on the phones, if you know what I mean. Well, it's not exactly it's not as easy to meant. trace. You know what I'm talking about, I mean, Cletus. I know what you're doing, but I'm <laughs> I don't think Gary McFadden has to. Okay? Well, probably. No, it's not about having to, though. It's uh, wants to. I don't. It's, it's opportunity. Yes, yeah. I don't has to. I wants to. <laughs> you, you know what I mean, Rick? I mean, not at your age. It, I'm talking. I think we're going down a dark road here. That I'm the talking arena to two shepherds. <laughs> shepherds? <laughs> think about it. Okay. Let's move on. Well, no, I can't. Why am I a shepherd? All right, you can explain Wolford it to me in the break. Got it, All okay? right, explain it to me in the break then. Let's move. What what kind of time we got left there? We're at about uh, seventeen. And a half. Oh, we got all kinds You're of. You're allowed man. to all talk into your time. mic. Seventeen and a half. Okay. Or you can make hand signals. You know, yeah, do something. We, we we need to come up with something. Now he's in another. I don't believe room. that was appropriate either. <laughs> oh, what do we got? This is big. Sorry, I had my cell phone. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Pulls it all together. Yeah. All right, Tevin Coleman, very questionable this week against the Packers, dealing with a bad hamstring injury. I think a bad sign when your team signs Steven Ridley. <laughs> that tells me times are desperate. Tevin Coleman isn't going to play. Yep. Packers aren't a great matchup, but I'd uh, I'd load up on Devontae Freeman. I think they're still a couple weeks away from the bye, so this is just going to have to take a wait and see. And after, after laying that egg against uh, – who they played two weeks against Seattle, Tevin Coleman come back. So that's going to be a big loss for the Falcons. This one's interesting. Dante Moncrief back at practice Wednesday. Not sure if he'll be active this week, but he is coming back soon. Desperate, desperate are the Colts for that number two option. T.Y. Hilton getting about 40 targets a game. As a T.Y. Hilton owner, I'm not really rooting for Moncrief to come back. But this is a guy I think he's been out for so long, he's sitting on a lot of waiver wires, Rick. I am advising everyone out there to pick up and stash. I wouldn't start him this week. Stash away Dante Moncrief. He gets rolling being that number two option in that offense that just wants to pass the football. I'll tell you what, this is a guy who could be big for you down the home stretch. And talk about big. How about the emergence of Jack Doyle this year? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just 
Yeah, I think he was a high-scoring fantasy tight end this week, and you know Andrew Luck's starting to rely on him. Yeah, Moncrief's intriguing. Um, I'm not convinced he's that going to be that huge. I mean, you look at, um, and of course, it's, it's a little bit different situation, say in Carolina, you know, because it's basically Cam first, Olson second, Benjamin. But you don't, you just don't see the emergence of Devin Funches, big, rangy, good hands receiver, not doing all that much. It could be the same with with Luck. I mean, you know, they're they're still kind of, you know, Frank Gore still running the ball fairly effectively. T.Y. Hilton's unstoppable. They got Jack Doyle. Andrew Luck can scramble around. Yeah, he's going to get his catches, but I, I think there's plenty of other mediocre miles to feed. I'm not convinced he's the next number two superstar. He's kind of like a compliment to uh, Calvin Johnson. Say, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not there with you on that. Here's how I see it, Rick. There's a reason. There's a reason Jack Doyle has the games he does when Dwayne Allen's out because Andrew Luck is so lacking in other possible targets. There's just no others out there. He's desperate for somebody to throw the ball out. You know, we thought for an, a minute and a half it was going to be Philip Dorsett. Not only did he stink, but now he's hurt as well. You get a Moncrief back. You know, T.Y. Hilton is catching 10 balls a game. And quite frankly, if you've watched a lot of Colts games, that's a struggle for him because he's the only guy defense has to cover. T.Y.'s just that good that he's making plays even with dealing what he's dealing with. When a guy like Jack Doyle becomes such an important part of your offense, that tells me a guy with the skill set of Dante Moncrief is going to come in. He's going to get a heavy workload, and he's going to be very valuable to that offense and by proxy your team. Oh, he's certainly going to be an upgrade. Don't get me wrong. I mean, there's nobody left. I mean, you got Moncrief, and like you said, Dorsett's hurt. Chester Rogers is hurt as well with a hamstring. I mean, there's just nothing left. I agree it's going to be an upgrade. But I still think Hilton's going to be the guy. And, um, you know, Gore and Turbin's been kind of doing the, the, the rush, the rushing game fairly effectively for Indianapolis. They're in weak division. I think Luck, yeah, I mean, he's an upgrade. I don't know if he's a must-own. It depends on He's a must-own. He's not a must-play, well, but I think he's right, a yeah. must-own. I, oh, I yeah. think you're spending okay. those free agent dollars on him here. All right, I'm going to whip through these because I want to take the last six or seven minutes, Rick, and, and talk about something a little outside of this. But real quick, Des Bryant coming back this week, so good news for Des Bryant owners. Antonio Brown injures his hip and quad, and once again, that bye week comes just at the right time. I, he'll be just fine. Ladarius Green back at practice. I think we may be talking about that on Sunday. Hunter Henry in the concussion protocol. Jordan Reed cleared by the team doctors waiting for the independent neurologist to clear him. Here's what I want to talk about, Rick. Saw a story over the Before weekend. Before you get into that story. All right, hurry up. Caution yourself on Jordan Reed. I'm telling you, this concussion stuff, he scares me to death. Fantasy but but if he's on the field, you got to play, you gotta him. play right. him. You, you Go absolutely had to play him. Saw the story over the weekend. Across the board, Rick, the NFL ratings down 11% in 2016. Saw a story while I was waiting for you guys to get here to the bunker tonight where Monday night football ratings are down 24%. That's a whole lot of percent. That's a lot. 24%. To what do you attribute this? Do you believe it, I guess, number one, and to what do you attribute it, number two? Yeah, I believe it. I truly do. Number one, I believe it's oversaturation. You know, I mean, you have Thursday night games. You have 
early games from London. You have a complete slate on Sunday, and you have Monday night football. But more importantly, I think it's the product. It is really getting very hard to sit and watch a football game. The NFL has shot themselves in the foot themselves by producing the red zone. You start watching the red zone and then go back to a regular game, and it's, yeah, look at Thursday night coming up, Jacksonville, Tennessee. Oh, I mean, and they're going to complain about ratings? Well, put something on TV. Nobody wants to watch Jacksonville and Tennessee, let alone watching Ed Hockley flex his, his oh, muscles that's the big and throw one for flags me. on every single play. And if I'm not just a, bashing Ed If Hockley. there's a big play, there's going to be a flag. You're exactly. not allowed to score a touchdown anymore. There's no such thing as a fumble anymore. You can't celebrate a touchdown. No. You can't talk trash to somebody. You can't do anything. You can't lay your hands on a quarterback. And the product is getting – number one, the market's getting oversaturated because there's just game after game after game. And the product is lacking. Yeah, yeah. And and that's a big thing. And I think it is to to your oversaturation point. This is what I've decided. So – the biggest hits are Thursday nights down, I believe, 18%. Don't quote me on this. I just saw before we went on the air that Monday night football is down 24%, and Sunday night football is in the double digits percentage. So when you see the total is down 11%, and you see those big numbers on the specialty games, right? That tells me your local market coverage on CBS and Fox are probably about normal, if not a little bit up, right? I'm not a numbers guy, but. If 24, 18, and 16 are down on Thursday, Sunday night, and Monday night, and the total's down 11, we almost have to be up on your normal Sunday for your home team and your local markets. All right, so here's what it is to me. Here's what they've done. By adding Thursday night, which is universally ridiculed as an inferior product because these guys still can't walk from last Sunday, and they're just bad matchups. For whatever reason, ESPN, I believe ESPN gets to pick their Monday night matchups at the beginning of the year. They can't even come close. Any week, they can't even come close. Sunday night, when you look at it, these these games used to be events, right? Monday night football was an event when it was the only primetime specialty game. Every once in a while, they'd throw this Thursday night out there with you know the opening game of the year. They'd do a special here and there. You know, Sunday night has sort of been around, and those were the good matchups. And those get better later in the year where they can do that flex scheduling. But you are so oversaturated with these primetime games, there's nothing special about any of them anymore. The product, to your point, is so inferior, there isn't three primetime-worthy games out there every week. And especially when Thursday night and Monday night had to pick back in April <laughs> what these right. games were going to be, there's nothing special about them. There's no events. It's completely oversaturated. And I'm with you. I have trouble sitting around and watching a game because you can rest assured any big play there's going to be a flag down on. We right still in. don't know what a catch is. We still don't know what a fumble is. I think, you know, what what they say, right? We never thought Rome would fall until it fell, right? I think we might be seeing the beginnings of this with the NFL. Their arrogance, their ineptitude in handling it, in anything, quite frankly, it's starting to take a decline. Yeah, and, and their insistence on spreading the market to other countries just tells me they want to expand the league into more teams because you know that that's what will happen. Say you put a team in London or Mexico City, which they've been talking about. Well, then 
Next, it's whatever, you know, Berlin or Alberta or something. I, you know, I don't know. But the more teams you get, the worse the teams are. I mean, that's just – that's math. Right. I mean, we can talk about the, uh, the players of today – compared to the players of, of 45 years ago. But when there were only, whatever, 24 teams or, or you know, these teams well, expansion kills every sport. were better. Right, absolutely. They were better. Same with baseball. I mean, you had pitching staffs 45 years ago of four solid aces. Right. If you have one ace on a team now, you're lucky. No, and you're, you're playoff bound. Exactly. All right, well, we'll leave it at that, but I think that... Uh, I was just starting to rant. I'm I, sorry. I think the Wolves at the door, Rick, quite frankly, <laughs> I do. and We'll see what's going to happen as we go on. Well, let's take a break here. We will be back next with uh, Game Ball, Stinky Socks, Love, Hate, some Week 2 takeaways. Going to wrap up Week 7 coming up here on the Arena Sports Network. Now nah, you're talking, Cletus. Welcome back to the Asylum here in the Arena Sports Network. And uh, i tell you what, Rick, we're getting to some balls and socks, and it was a hard choice this week after week seven. It was terrible. I don't like seeding control of the intro music to, to what? Carlito Armando Hermosa over there on the ones and twos. And you don't the, like um, classic music? No. No. Okay, you just like that's, juvenile, ignorant stuff. That's not perky enough. I, I like to come in. I like to get pumped up, Rick, get fired no, you up. you don't. Yeah. You're an idiot. You <laughs> have no idea about <laughs> being that? pumped up. So uh, this pumps you up, this, this, this stuff, this oh, junk? the doors. This yeah, is fantasy just, opium. Yes, it is <laughs> I feel like opium. I'm on opium. All right, welcome back to the Asylum Fantasy Sports Show here well, on the Arena Sports Network. you know, that Network. was a song that we were talking about before we came on the air that they were playing an old Vaughn Monroe song, just waiting for the producer to come in, and Jim Morrison said, oh, hey, I have lyrics for that. I mean... And that's how I set you guys up. Yes, if the three of us actually had even a hundredth of that talent, we could actually make something of ourselves because we have some equipment. Well, this is the first thing you said I agree with. We have no talent, <laughs> no discernible talent whatsoever, right. but... yeah. yeah. Whatever. All right, how about some balls and socks? Let's talk some fantasy football. Rick, lots of big performances, lots of horrific performances. I'll let you start this show. Let's keep it positive. Let's bring the up th- with people, Rick. I Give think out it's a just, game ball. It is so obvious. It's a huge game ball to Devontae Adams. Oh, I was ready to hit the other button. No, yeah. I mean, no, I mean, what, what a performance. Ajayi. Yeah, I was going to give it to Ajayi. <laughs> He's but- upset. 132 yards, 13 receptions, two touchdowns. The emergence of Devontae Adams was refreshing. Yeah, yeah, it's curious. Randall Cobb had a night. Actually, I'm going to save this because we're going to get to that when we get to my stinky sock, Rick, the the follow-up to what you're talking about. Yeah, and Adams is is the one fine in the end zone. And you wonder with Eddie Lacy going on IR, I'm not sure we ever talked about it. It happened after last week's show. And and they'd already played, so it didn't come up on on the Sunday show. But Eddie Lacy on IR, James Starks out for a little bit. I mean, they're using a wide receiver at the running back position, who's doing a hell of a job, by the way, mind right. you. But we, they sort of, Green Bay come out and said, our running game's going to be throwing those vert, those horizontal passes 
to Adams and to Cobb. And after the game, it worked, and Aaron Rodgers says, this is, I think, what we're going to have to do. This is how our offense is going to move. So this bodes well for Aaron Rodgers' owners, I think, and it bodes well, I think, for this Packers offense. I do, too. Now, ultimately, this catches up with you, right? No team has ever succeeded in the long term with absolutely no running game. But I think in the short term and in fantasy football circles, this is good news. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, it's amazing. You saw a week of this. And already I saw an article come out, and I forget which, you know, expert it was. Is Jordy Nelson still elite? I'll tell you what. If Devontae Adams and Randall Cobb keep doing what they're doing, Jordy Nelson's going to get open because now all of a sudden they just don't have to watch him. And, and that makes a big difference. If you have a run game – and Aaron Rodgers is killing you through Devontae Adams and Randall Cobb, now you have to do something about that, which opens up for Jordy Nelson. All, all that is is just expands the worries you have as a defense when you play Green Bay. I worry. I wonder about that. And, and that was going to be my stinky sock, but I got another one. So let, let's talk about Jordy Nelson here for a minute. There's one of two things going on, and I believe both are equally plausible. Number one, Jordy Nelson might have got caught peeping on uh, making the moves on Olivia Munn on Aaron Rodgers' bun. For when he goes out there and everybody else had double-digit catches, right, Rick? Not everybody else had decent games. Everybody else had double-digit catches. Jordy Nelson had one for nine. So the other possibility, if it, if it isn't a, a love triangle, a type of scandal, and, and that Olivia Munn's a silly goose, so I wouldn't blame Jordy if he was making the move. But if that's not happening, I have to believe Jordy Nelson isn't healthy. He's a step slow. There's something there. Rick, as everybody else, is Cobb, as Adams, as everybody else is out there catching double-digit balls and running free, you can't tell me Jordy Nelson was getting doubled during that time. And they've showed over and over again through the six games that the Packers have played this year where they're just a step off, where Aaron Rodgers is overthrowing Jordy Nelson by three or four yards. There's something there. I'm not sure Jordy Nelson's healthy. He may have lost a step. I, I am pushing the panic button on Jordy Nelson, and I don't think the emergency – because, number one, I have no faith that we're going to get any consistency out of an Adams and a little more faith, but still not much more faith that we're going to get any type of true consistency out of Randall Cobb. So you can't tell me that these guys are going to start overperforming and that's going to open things wide open for Jordy Nelson. I quite frankly think there's more to that story. It could be, but, um, you know, sometimes it takes a while for people to emerge as significant players when you have such a dominant force out there. Jordy Nelson was, before that knee went down, I mean, he was a top five receiver in the league. You know, Calvin Johnson was the same way. Never was real identity of who's next in Detroit. They're starting to figure it out. They, they gave it as the heir apparent to Golden Tate. And we're finding out that it's going to be pretty well balanced, I believe. And it's not just going to be the Calvin Johnson show. And I hate to say it, but I think Detroit's better off when he retired. Maybe. I, 
I, I truly believe that. I mean, now that they're attempting to move the ball around a little bit and get Golden Tate involved, exactly. Although there's a story that came out today that Golden point. Tate was in the doghouse, and we had speculated right. about that. He, by his own admission, he was. There was a work ethic issue with a Golden Tate, so we can expect that to continue. But we can do that later on, maybe in the yeah, takeaway. But I was going back to your point. Maybe that's the case with a Jordy Nelson, but maybe he's still there. Maybe he won't return to like this dominant force, right? That he was a couple of years ago before the injury. But if these guys can start performing at a at a much at a higher level, then Rogers actually has legitimate options to spread it around. Oh, absolutely! Which I think it makes them more dangerous oh, as a team. No question. But this is great news for Aaron Rodgers. This is great news for the Green Bay Packers. Like I said, in the short term, I don't think this lack of a running game. No, now you Starks is going to come back, back, but this comes back and this catches up with you. You, you do this against Minnesota, for an example, a team in their division. If you go out and try to throw the ball fifty times on Minnesota, you're, you're going to be in trouble. You've got to establish some type of run game. But for Right now, this is great news for fantasy football players, for Aaron Rodgers' owners. I just worry, and I, I agree with you. Jordy Nelson's still around. He's going to get his – we're not going to see this again where Adams has 13 and Cobb has 10 and Jordy Nelson has one. But you drafted Jordy Nelson oh, I as a late number one. You're not going to get that. But something's, something's up. You're something's in the up. same boat. Well, yeah, totally different something up. But you're in the same boat with Jordy Nelson as you are with DeAndre Hopkins right, this year, or exactly. Allen Robinson. Exactly. I mean, you're suffering big time. Oh, <laughs> There's yeah. no question about yeah. that. Yeah, and, and we'll get into those two clowns here shortly. So, Rick, uh, where are we at with me? I'm at a game ball here is what yeah. i got to do. we got Positivity, way, buddy. way laid there. We don't have to talk Ajay. about We've made it very clear. And Ajay. now, Rick, you're, you're on the boat, right? This is a real deal with Ajayi at this point. You're, you're buying in now. You were hesitant last year. Let me push I that for you. Yeah, I, I don't know what's going on with that guy. Your, your, he hates me. Your dainty fingers. Yeah, I really like Ajayi. All right. <laughs> that, that's, that, Ajayi. that's your hot take from Rick Briggs. He really <laughs> likes Jay Ajayi. Well, I'm a believer. Let's put it that way. I wasn't. Ajayi. <laughs> I like the surprise, yeah, Ajayi. I like that, the surprise. Carlito Armando Hermosa. But the first the one against Pittsburgh, I thought maybe it was an anomaly. He just hadn't really done anything. Right. But watching this kid run against Buffalo, yeah, you do it again. <laughs> it's the real deal. Two two hundred game, yard games in a row. I like it. What has clicked with Miami? I don't know. But I it, do. They started handing the ball off and quit letting that loser Ryan Tannehill <laughs> throw the football. But they're not down thirty points either. Well, that's true. They're playing some defense. Yeah. So I mean, I don't know really what's going on, but I like what I'm seeing in Miami. If he can keep it going. Boy, I tell you, these yeah. guys that have Land or Jarvis Landry. Yeah, that's kind of hurting a little yeah. bit. All that screaming I did about Jarvis Landry all offseason. Did you know that if Pittsburgh Steelers would have drafted Jarvis Landry, they'd have had Jarvis Landry, Jarvis Jones, and Landry Jones on their team? That's too confusing. I'm glad. <laughs> as much as I like Jarvis Landry, I'm glad that didn't happen. I just thought that was kind of cool. But anyhow, we didn't get to my game ball, Rick. Ajayi talking about the Finkelstein. <laughs> no, no, you can't curse on this. <laughs> I'm going to download that for you and edit it all up. That'll be my homework for the weekend. Anyhow, Rick, we got to talk about him. Melvin Gordon, once again, 121 oh. total yards, three total touchdowns. Rick, without putting your nose in your computer there, can you tell me at this point of the season, heading into week eight, how many total touchdowns Melvin Gordon has? Ten. Ten. That is yeah. disgusting. I can, that is unbelievable. 
on pace After for last 20. year, yeah. He had never scored one before. He didn't know which direction the end zone was in. Now all of a sudden he has 10. And why I want to bring this up is – even after the performance on Sunday, I, I got to stay off the Twitter. That's your domain. Every once in a while, I'll get on there and just start reading. And, and the fantasy nerds are, are mashing their hands. And, well, you know, maybe his numbers show that he's a top five running back. And and he's getting in the end zone. Fine. That's great. But if you look at his yards per carry, yep. it's terrible. And going back to 1942, this is the worst <laughs> yards per carry for a guy who's in the top three of fantasy scoring ever. You can't believe this. Sell Melvin Gore. Shut up, jerk. <laughs> if hey. a guy's averaging averaging over a touchdown a game, this is a fantasy stud. I'm getting into my nerd voice. <laughs> I like that one. I, I wish you guys could see it. we got to get the video up. There's a hand <laughs> thing he does as well. This is fantastic. Uh, i got to get back into it. Oh, sorry. If you take away his 10 touchdowns in PPR <laughs> formats, he's still number nine in scoring in running backs. So get off of your stupid stats. <laughs> well, we've got a title for the show now. You You carry on while I write that down. He's ninth in scoring in PPR, minus the 10 touchdowns. He's got 10 touchdowns. (laughs) How can you minimize 10 touchdowns? Right, exactly. I don't care if he has (laughs) 3.7 yards a carry or whatever it is, Finkelstein kid. (laughs) All right? You are obsessed with this thing. I can't even hold it together. Does anybody listen to this junk? I mean, this is the most self-indulgent show that has ever gone across the airway. Just whatever strikes us as funny before we go on the air, we just scream completely out of context for the next two hours. This is fantastic. But look, yes, his yards per carry are horrific. They are a passing team. But with the absence of Danny Woodhead, he's catching passes, and he won't stay out of the end zone after refusing to enter it for how many years. Now all of a sudden he won't stay out of it. This guy, come on, quit trying. Just because, unlike the asylum, who, Rick, we were all over this business all summer. Oh, yeah, baby. And much to the ridicule and chagrin of the other fantasy Illuminati out there, just Maybe because that's you why didn't they all hate us. this is what it is and this is because you didn't predict this in the off season here you are 8 weeks and te- 10 touchdowns later trying to justify that somehow you are still right take a page out of our book something i have to do approximately 14 times a week after the inside slant and say yeah my flat i might have missed that one <laughs> Yeah, come because we, we come right out of, you know, full disclosure. We were wrong on Ezekiel Elliott. Big time. I never thought he was going to get a full load going into his rookie year. I thought it was kind of um, a little haphazard on Dallas when you had an Alfred Morris that could take a lot of his carries till he really got into, you know, air quotes, game shape. I guess right. he doesn't need that. I'm guessing hey, I was wrong game. about that, yeah, okay? But these guys won't back off of it. No, they, uh, they, you're right. They insist that they're correct, no matter what. And so there's that one stat off there, which is why, to quote Rick Briggs, get off your stupid stats. Yeah. But there's one stat out there that could maybe bolster your argument that you were right, and they're not backing off of it. Yeah, his yards per carry isn't that good. What okay, well, maybe maybe they'll improve. Of course, you know, let, let's face it. This guy plays Denver twice, plays Kansas City twice. Um, you know, DeMarco Murray plays Indianapolis twice, plays Jacksonville twice. Right. So, 
yeah, maybe his yards per carry will be down, but the guy has been in the end zone ten times yes. through, what, seven games. Yeah, wouldn't it be terrible as a fantasy owner? Wouldn't it just disgust you if that every week your number one running back went out there and you had to watch their future Hall of Fame quarterback chuck the ball down the field to a future Hall of Fame tight end and get it within the five? And wouldn't it just make you sick if week after week then you had to watch that running back run the ball in the end zone three times wouldn't that be awful no no that's a yeah. good thing you see that's all yeah. right i really don't mind it that much well yeah as a exactly. cletus is a, is a melvin i believe the only true professional football player on cletus's football those fantasy football team in the caveman league is melvin gordon melvin gordon is is playing well yeah he was undervalued he was underappreciated, as you mentioned, in the preseason from all the Illuminati, as you like to say, other than us. Yeah, we got one right, so we're going to pound that drum. We got, we sure got that one. Pound. There it is. You just want to do is, that man. reverb thing that we are playing with. Again, so self-indulgent. It's hilarious. <laughs> it is. All right, Rick. Somehow, I think we're about three-quarters of the way through this segment. We haven't even got to the stinky sock yet. Well, I'm going to give you a stinky sock, and this may be – Almost through the season, but this week he still deserves it, I think. You know, with Jordan Reed out, I mean, and they were playing Detroit. He had all the reason to have a nice day. Pierre Garçon had two receptions for 22 yards. Hey, Kirk Cousins throwing 300 yards a game. Call Jamison Crowder, baby. And, well, and Pierre VD, Vernon Davis is stinky back. sock. Did he just get Big, old on us? stinky, rotten sock with a rotten pumpkin in it. Oh, wow. That's a big sock. Put yeah. a whole pumpkin in there. Well, it's all mashed up. It's oh. rotten. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess. It fell apart. You know, yeah. The old tube socks. I miss yeah. tube socks. I wish I love were still tube around. Socks. I like tube socks, too. You know, <clears throat> now you mention that, you know, you notice a lot of guys cramp up. You know, Are you, you arguing you it's the lack of tube socks? That's tube socks it? have support on the calf muscles. So you're suggesting that perhaps our NFL athletes should be wearing pantyhose of some sort? No, tube like socks. support hose? Tube socks. Interesting. I do miss tube, tube socks. socks, though. I mean, I, I noticed that the, the pitcher for Cleveland tonight is wearing uh, tube socks. You mean last night because this yeah, show's on last Thursday. Night, right. Come on. Well, that's what I meant. <laughs> keep, I mean... up, keep up the kayfabe, will you? Come on now. All right, Rick, my stinky sock. I am going to stay in Washington, as you would say. I'm giving my stinky sock to Matt Jones, a guy I gave a little bit of shine to over the last couple of weeks, putting together some nice numbers. Comes out against Detroit 10 for 57, so not horrible. You know, you know he's averaging, what, what's that, about five yards a carry, right? That's not bad. Uh, but, it's not like Melvin Gordon. Much well, better Melvin yeah. Gordon. But puts the ball on the carpet two more times, one time heading into the end zone. Gruden comes out and says he's still going to be on the field. This isn't going to affect him, but this is becoming a pattern. And I think you see, you saw in that game, Robert Kelly started to get some work, almost splitting at least snaps, not carries, but snaps evenly with Chris Thompson. I don't care what Gruden says. You can't trust a cat that keeps putting it on the carpet. And for that, he gets the stinky sock because I think he could hold some value and he's going to throw it all away by his inability to hold on to the football. And I have a real feeling that we're going to hit a lot of Chris Thompson questions come on Sunday morning on the inside slam. Although, fortunately, nobody will be listening, number one, because there's a London game, and we won't get the Chris Thompson questions because Washington will be playing in that game. So we're not going to do 
yeah, the mailbag right. on the air tonight. I just answered them all personally. We're going to play Factor Fiction in the final segment. But that, that being said, yeah, I think Chris Thompson, you're going to start seeing this. Number one, they're getting to that point they were in the second half of last season where they're just letting Kirk Cousins chuck the ball around. That's number one, and that fits more into Kirk Cousins. Number two, every time you give this donkey the ball, he drops it. I don't care if he's got the support of Gruden. He's one fumble away for his season being ostensibly over. It won't be spoken, but you're going to see more of Robert Kelly and a whole lot more of Chris Thompson. Yeah, no doubt, because Chris Thompson's acquitting himself quite well you know, when he's getting the opportunity. So, um, and, and Washington, they're right in the heat of the, the contest for the NFC East. So. Right. I tell you what, you can't risk it. All these no, games come can't. down to one possession in the. We East. all remember that with with Coughlin, and I even forget the running back now. Oh, who was it? A couple years ago, he had the hot young prodigy, and he never really did bounce back. It was four weeks. We'll have to look that. Yeah. I can't remember who that was now. He never really came to came into his own. Oh, who was that? I cannot remember. I wish I could. Oh, but... we'll, we'll figure it out. But I know exactly who you mean. He didn't touch the ball for three weeks. Yeah, now he exactly. had a decent. Decent little run in the middle of the year, but it was three weeks before Coughlin gave him the ball again. Yeah, there's no doubt. You cannot drop the ball on the carpet in games like that. No. I mean, you if, if you're 10-0 and 0 and you drop one, people right. get mad at you. But you're 4-3 and three or whatever it is within a, in a dogfight with, with teams. Look, that whole division's over 500. Right. You know, losses, uh-uh. You can't afford them. All right, Rick. Well, let's move on. We, through our self-indulgence and tube sock talk, we, we wasted away most of this segment. So how about we skip love-hate and jump right into in the last 10 minutes here, Rick, your week seven takeaways. Oh. I got some of these I really oh. want to talk about. Oh. <laughs> what are these guttural takeaways. <laughs> the Jacksonville Jaguars oh, yeah. are the most impotent, ball of talent I've ever seen. I mean, you look at it, you Blake Bortles after last year, Allen Robinson, Allen Hearns had 10 touchdowns last year. I think Robinson had, I think, 15. You got Chris Ivory, you got TJ Yeldon, a nice one-two punch. You got Julius Thomas as a tight end. They can't move the ball. They can't do anything. And it is so discouraging. You as an Allen Robinson Ugh. owner in many leagues – I, as a Blake Bortles owner in many leagues, bought into the wrong gig, buddy. Yeah. Let me tell you, Rick, we were on the same wavelength here. Let me, what I, as my number one week seven takeaway, I'm going to just, re, I don't usually do this. I'm going to read it to you as I have written, and this is what I believe the problem is. Number one, Blake Bortles is a loser, and he's ruining the career of everyone around him. <laughs> That's what it comes down to for me. He is pathetic. You can't tell me Allen Robinson in the offseason regressed this much, that Allen Hearns regressed this much, that T.J. Yeldon regressed this much. Blake Bortles, at least right now, is a loser, and he's ruining everyone's lives, including mine. That's what this comes down well, to for no, me. No, he's ruining your life. And maybe some others. That's how you really. Well, that's, meant, that's right, how you right. Meant it. That's how I think about it. Yeah, you're but inside you're actually my right. mind. I mean, the only bargain on that whole team is Alan Hearns that you could have got for a song. But quite frankly, he hasn't lived up to expectations because he did have the ten touchdowns last year. He's right. got one. Well, and I'm sorry, Blake Bortles. If you go out there and you look like a punk 
at home against that Oakland Raiders defense, you're a loser. It's just that simple. I mean, I don't know what happened. And this is coming from Blake, I'm telling you, because I know you're an asylumite. Rick Flieger defended you staunchly last year when there were other people not believing in you. He went to bat for you, pal. And you I called him, him Ben Roethlisberger all season yeah. and all off season, and now he's just smacking me in the face every chance he gets. The Oakland Raiders defense, and you can manage to find the ball, find the ball to find its way to Allen freaking Robinson twice against that defense. Twice, really? You get your doors blown off. You get boat raced by the Oakland Raiders. Look, offensively, that's fine, and I have no issue with you losing the game, and I'd actually predicted they would lose that game, but to get boat raced and not be able to move the ball, ugh, that's all I can say. Is, yeah, I mean, it, it is just gruesome that he is performing at such a horrible level this year when there are such high hopes, and he has weapons all around him. 1,567 yards passing, nine touchdowns, nine picks. He's got 123 yards rushing on his own. It's just he's right in there with um, Alex Smith, Ryan Tannehill, Eli Manning. And it's just not what you expect. You would say, okay, well, you know, he's right behind Dak Prescott in fantasy scoring. Well, you know, that's not bad, Dak Prescott. The kid's a rookie. Blake Bortles yeah. had, what, 4,000 some yards passing last year. And you expect him to move up a little bit, at least stay the same. Uh, you would hope. Something. But, I mean, he is horrifying. Yeah. So, Rick, let, let's get to my first takeaway here. And, and I bring this up. I don't want to do hard-hitting football analysis, so bear with me for a minute. But my takeaway is that's what we do. the Philadelphia Eagles are two totally opposite teams home and away. And where this becomes important is the Philadelphia Eagles' defense at home is just shutting everybody down Minnesota Vikings style. You see what they did to Antonio Brown and Ben Roethlisberger a couple weeks ago. You see what they did to the Vikings this week, albeit not a high-powered offense. This Eagles defense on the road lets Kirk Cousins tear them up. This Eagles defense at home shuts down two or three future Hall of Famers on that Steelers offense. I'll tell you what, if I've got a 50-50, if i got a coin flip, if i got a game i got to win, I ain't messing with the Eagles at home. Pile. I'm not doing it. There, there's something there. I don't know what that is. This isn't college football. I don't know why there's such a disparity. But I've seen enough games both home and away for that team. That, that That's the real deal. Yeah, I mean, at home, they beat Cleveland 29-10. At home, they beat Pittsburgh 34-3. At home, they beat Minnesota 21-9. You're absolutely correct. I mean, at Detroit, they lost. At Washington, they lost. At Chicago, well, they won, but it's the Bears. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it's the Bears. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Okay. So, I mean, yeah, I agree with you. This week, they're at Dallas. The next week, they're at New York. They can get out of their one and one. They're home again against Atlanta, which is, which is a tough test. I mean, they don't have an easy schedule. Then they go to Seattle, back home against Green Bay, at Cincinnati. I mean, they got a rough road to hoe. There's no question about that. But you're right. At home, they are a different team. All right, Rick. Well, we got about a minute and a half, two minutes left. You got a quick takeaway, a quick one. Uh, a quick takeaway, it, it's hard to get a quick takeaway, That's quite true. frankly. A real quick takeaway, Landry Jones acquitted himself okay. Right. With Ben Roethlisberger, the Steelers can beat 
the Patriots. Yeah. They're the only team in the I think in the league that could beat them. Yeah. But going into the bye, you made a point before we come on air. You would not be surprised if Ben Roethlisberger shows up against Baltimore after the bye. If not, I still think they have a good shot of beating Baltimore. Who's let's face it, they're reeling. They're playing bad. They're they're not playing good offensively. They're not playing great. And I don't think it's that they're great. not playing good. I don't think they're good. I no, think they're I, bad. No, I do too. I agree with you 100%. But I think they have a good shot at least winning one if Ben's out another week. Right. Yeah, and I agree. I think Baltimore and I wouldn't be surprised, Rick, if at the last minute we find out Landry Jones is starting. Steelers are down a touchdown or down 10 at halftime, and all of a sudden here comes the prodigal, you know, rising like a phoenix from the ashes like he did at the end of the playoff game against Cincinnati last year. I could see them wanting to take a cautious approach, but I think before that game is all said and done in week nine, we're going to see Ben Roethlisberger. Well, let's break here, Rick. When we come back, we are going to have a budding country music superstar Johnny Reed Foley joining the show here on The Asylum. We will be back right after this. What I please, all the bartenders let me drink for free. Everybody knows my name, and the media knows just a game. Well, I can get on stage and give the fans my heart. Singing every night in a local bar. Sometimes it's easy, sometimes it's hard. A day in the life of a hillbilly rock star. Welcome back to the asylum, and uh, we are Fligger and Briggs, and it is our great pleasure to bring in uh, Johnny Reed Foley. I mean, he is a country music rock star on the rise. And I'll tell you what, you know me, Rick. I am old. That I do know that you are <laughs> right? a, you I mean, are an octogenarian. I'm, yes. I'm classic rock and all this kind of stuff. But I'll tell you what, this this is this is what it's about right here. I like it. Uh, Johnny Reed Foley here. I am rambling on. <laughs> Welcome into the asylum. Hey, man, I tell you, it, it's finally good to be around people who act a lot like I do. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't speak well of you, Johnny. i got to be honest. So, hey, hey you know, when, when, when they were first telling me you were going to do this, I, I listened to a couple podcasts, and, and I was saying this earlier, and it, it's still true, is that I, I'm not sure that this is a sports show or a comedy show, but either way, I'm entertained. I think that's what matters. Yeah, that, that's the only goal. I, I think I heard Rick say before we went on the air that it's just complete self-indulgence, complete stream of consciousness. Whatever flies into our heads flies right out of our mouths. It's a blessing. Literally, yeah, it's one of those things. There's no filters. You just kind of get up there and say whatever is on the tip of your tongue. Yeah. And once it's out there, well, that, there's nothing really you can do about it. Yep, it, it is a blessing and a curse. So we definitely appreciate you coming on. Been checking out the music here lately. Man, you are just killing it. Some great, great stuff. What I love about it, Johnny, man, and we don't hear it as much these days, playing some real country music. What are some of your influences? Where is that coming from in a genre that I think has gone too far away? Man, you know what? Honestly, um, I grew up listening to all kinds of different music. I grew up a big fan of um, of Garth and Travis Tritt, you know, some of that stuff in the 90s. And then you uh, mix that in with today's. I do like some of the new stuff. Um, for me, it's it's just it's about being real and uh, being open and honest. You know, I mean, you look at country music; it's always had great troubadours and great storytellers. Going back to Hank Williams back in the fifties, you know, even today, Eric Church. You know, if you really want someone to listen to, tell some good stories, you can listen to his music. But um, they're all influences, man. Um, and then on top of that, I grew up listening to to a lot of classic rock. You know, even Marshall Tucker and then. Uh, you know, Daytona Beach area. So, 
you know, you had things like the Eagles, you had, uh, oh, God, there's just so many groups that came through here, uh, the Allman Brothers in particular, you know. So um, you just found yourself being a fan of everything. Yeah, and I think you have really somehow put together a real blend of everything. I mean, I was talking to the guys before we came on the air. I was listening to uh, Not Sunny Anymore, and, boy, I tell you what, I, I hear John Prine all through that. I don't know if you're familiar. Exactly, yeah. You know, it's funny. That song is actually one I wrote about an ex-girlfriend of mine. Um, her name was Sunny, and um, – I, I literally, that, that's why we wrote the song. That's what, um, that's how that whole thing got started is, uh, after we broke up, uh, I sat down and just thought that would be hilarious and uh, it ended up being all too serious, but, um, people seem to like it. <laughs> well, it certainly is a great song. There's no question about that. And I, I was checking out, um, obviously, you know, we, we've just talked on, on Twitter back and forth in, in recent history, but you have... What, you know how to play, like, 11 instruments or something like that? Yeah, uh, when I was younger, I started out playing piano. Literally, there's pictures of me when I was three or four years old learning how to play. They got, like, little videos and things my mom and dad did. And then from there, in school, I took drums. And from that point on, I just picked up everything. It was it was a guitar, and then it was a dobro and a mandolin, and then a banjo, and just whatever they put in my hands, I learned to play. I am so jealous. I can barely play the radio, and I, I want to play a guitar desperately. Let, let's be honest, Johnny. That's where the chicks are at, right? You pull out that, you pull out that guitar. It's on. Uh, you know what? There's a there's a T-shirt a friend of mine has, and it basically it shows a guy playing a um, a guitar, you know, um, and or so a guy singing. And it shows a crowd, and there's like two or three girls around him or whatever. And then it shows a, a guy uh, playing a guitar, and it's just 10, 15 women, and then there's a guy playing the piano, and there's like three dudes. So, I mean, you know, <laughs> it, the story tells itself. <laughs> That's right. You don't got to go any further with that. So, so one question, I mean, it's not like I talk to a ton of uh, country music music singers, but the, the rare occasion I get to, I always want to ask this question. You listen to what the, I don't know if you call it pop country or the, you know, the top 40 stuff now. How do you feel right. about that? When I, when I listen to your music, and it harkens me back to what I feel like country music should be and th this isn't me just blowing smoke because you're on the air this is the kind of music I listen to and what it has become now where it, it's almost today's pop music is the way I think of as the top 40 country now just curious as somebody you know in the industry work, working towards that goal I assume of getting into that top 40 how, how do you feel about the music that's being put out now um today's country music is interesting because it's it's so broad. It's not that country music isn't still there and being authentic. It's if you go listen, you'll find you know Tim McGraw, like humble and kind. You'll find songs like uh, William Michael Montgomery just had a uh, I met a girl. Uh, there's still some of that classic country. It's just there's more variety. You have you know you do have pop country. Ultimately. For me, uh, I like all music, and you know, uh, some of my friends create some amazing things, and, and I love it. Um, but for me, as long as you're being real, that's what's important. Uh, Darius Rucker, when he came into country music, people asked me, you know, what made you do this and things, and Darius said, because it was the only place I could still be real. 
And no matter what it sounds like, no matter, you know, whether you're blaring three electric guitars or someone's playing fiddle and steel, as long as you're singing three chords and the truth, you're going to hit hearts, you're going to hit home. And that's, that's how I see it, man. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. I mean, and, you know, expanding on the the wide variety of country music, um, I know things always change. I just wonder if there's, because back, I guess, you know, like in Johnny Cash coming up, and, of course, there's Hank Williams Jr. and so forth, but there were so many other like rock bands. You don't have those anymore. So I mean, country is is covering almost two genres now. I it mean, is. You're you're right. And honestly, uh, country music has always kind of played with the pop and played with the rock scene. Um, it, it's been, in fact, there was a time if you really think back and, and look into country music's history, country music was going down left field. You had uh, you know the urban cowboy. And, you know, it was all heading this one direction. And then Randy Travis comes along, and he just pulled that entire genre back to the right and made it bigger and better than it had ever been. So, you know, um, I don't think country music will ever get too far away from its roots, uh, but it definitely covers a lot of bases. Yeah, and even going back a little farther, I think Alabama, you know, actually brought country to the pop rock genre like in the late 70s i believe as well you know that's uh alabama really came along yeah i I would say so you know it's funny is that we always accuse people of being crazy uh in this industry until they're successful people looked at garth brooks garth brooks as being one of the worst things that ever happened to country music that his music was too artistic and too crazy and covered too many topics. And then, you know, you sit here and look at Garth now. He's a legend and he's a, he's a classic country artist that, you know, you couldn't imagine country music, what it would be without him. So, you know, Alabama was great. Uh, and that and that's an example of a band that came along and just kind of reminds you of that rock band style. Yeah, no doubt about it. Now, there are some, some uh, acts out there now that I think uh, may be destroying country music, but that's for another conversation. We won't put you on the spot with that. <laughs> uh, you probably know what directions I'm heading, but but we won't go there. So so I, I see that you're, you're touring with NASCAR. Curious you know, what you're doing and, and what that's like. You know, uh, the, the NASCAR tour is the coolest thing, man, and it, it's been great. The people are fantastic. What it is is we have uh, some fantastic people at Bass Pro and things like that that have gotten a stage together, and they've picked a couple of artists, and we go out to all of the tracks, the SMI tracks. We go to, like, Bristol, Charlotte, Texas, New Hampshire. Um, we get to go to all these fantastic uh, motor speedways with the people and just sing our hearts out, and it's been great. Um it's been a lot of fun, and it's free to the public. Even if you don't go to the NASCAR race, we're always in the fan zones. So people can come out all weekend long and hear free music. And, uh, man, it's it's a lot of fun. And, honestly, NASCAR people are good people. The fans that go to these races, they're some of the nicest people I've ever met in my life. Um, you'll talk to them on Twitter. You'll talk to them on Facebook. 
tell them, you know, you'll, you'll mention you happen to like things. I've had them bring me cookies and bring me, <laughs> you know, uh, bottles of Coca-Cola or whatever, you know, things that I've just mentioned that I like. I mean, these are some really great people. Oh, yeah, no doubt about it. And, and as a veteran of here in the Northeast, I, I've hit Michigan several times, the Poconos. I've been to to Richmond. Everybody has to make the pilgrimage to Charlotte and Bristol. Seen them all. And, and they're, they're, they're good people, but I tell you, I remember my dad turning to me one time. I, I, I was significantly younger. I was probably in my early teens, and we were at a, ma- a race at Pocono and seeing what goes on in the parking lot of these racetracks. <laughs> I, I remember my dad turning to me and saying, man, I I love these NASCAR crowds, but I wouldn't want to have to defend any of them in court. <laughs> these are the type oh. you're talking about a party crowd. You know, I mean, they, these shows have to be so much fun. Oh man, that's that's good. Yeah, it, it, it's um, it, you won't find the same thing at a NASCAR race that you would see at a football tailgate. Yeah, no doubt about that. I mean, and and the thing about the beautiful thing about NASCAR is. It's, I don't know how to put it, but they let it go, you know, like in a football game. Or, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's I do, okay. Yeah. It's okay the, at NASCAR. The good thing about NASCAR, it's not like it's not like football where we're throwing flags because people are out dancing because they got a right down. You know, we don't have. Could you imagine if NASCAR had penalty flags? for every little thing that happens. I mean, I, I just want this now that you've said it. I'm just have this picture in my head that two drivers get into a wreck and then some track worker comes running out and he throws a little yellow flag into the window of a driver who he thinks calls the caution. Or, I mean, could you, could you imagine a system where we're penalizing people for doing backflips and and, and burnouts and everything else. <laughs> what I'm picturing is Ed Hockley showing up after Carl Edwards does his backflip and making them go back and run the last five laps again because he committed a foul on, on the final play. That's what I'm Ed Hockley's got his guns out, you know, and he's got a checkered shirt on instead of the stri- – I'm picturing – this is brilliant, actually. If anybody in the audience can make memes, let's see this. We, we need this picture for today. This could be the cover this of your next really- album. <laughs> This will be great. No, I can, I can picture this now. You know, we we will have them out there. You have guys running around and and reshuffling positions. Uh, let's turn it into football. Like let's really, yeah. it'll be great. And we, and we can do a. You can go to the replay booth to see if you actually bumped him, and then he'll give him a fifteen <laughs> second penalty, and you know set him back in the race some. But you know, speaking of sports. And, uh, you know, in our previous conversation, and I know, I don't – soft subject here, but you are a Browns fan, I hear. Oh, it, let me tell you what. The, <laughs> the, yes, I am a Cleveland Browns fan, and there is nothing worse in life. <laughs> <laughs> let well, me tell you, the, the, every day I wake up and, and, I, and I thank God for all my blessings, and then I ask why. <laughs> why was I born into a family that <laughs> indoctrinated me to bleed orange and brown? What, how did you be? How did your family become Browns fans? Are you from originally from up up there? Yes, yes. Uh, my entire family on my mother's side is from there, and my father was born in West Virginia and moved to Cleveland when he was only probably I think eighteen or nineteen years old, right before he went into the military. And so um, he was up in the Cleveland area, and they just they indoctrinated me. Uh, I was originally born in North Carolina, so I've tried to become a Panthers fan. And I just can't do it. Um, <laughs> once you find a team you really love, you, you stick with them, despite how many miserable 
drunken Sundays you have to go through. <laughs> yeah, I, well, what part of North Carolina were you born in, just uh, out of curiosity? Uh, I was born up in the mountains of Sparta, North Carolina. It's in northwestern, right off of 77. Yes, I know exactly where you're talking about. I used to live down in Durham. <laughs> Shocker, and, you uh, lived somewhere. Ah, yeah. okay. I, I mean, he, he makes fun of me because I've lived in every state If in you the name South a city, and- he lived there for a brief time. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what kind of vagabond he was, but you can't mention well, a city. Well, I grew up in the 70s to let you know. I mean, I had fun, okay? So and I right. moved around a lot. So, it, but it was curious. I mean, you know, I always talk to people. It's kind of interesting. The some of the places that they're born from. I I, I usually had been there at one time or another. All right, so we can't. I was going to ask. Basically, is this at a point in your life where home was wherever you, wherever you parked the Volkswagen? I mean, <laughs> I'm telling you, I had a '69 Volkswagen Hippie Buzz. I'm not lying. I mean, you're absolutely correct. <laughs> Twenty years of just hardcore psychedelic drug use. Did it make had, no mistake of course, about it. It had to be the '69 model. I mean, what other model could? It yeah, have been? exactly. <laughs> So I, I guess I got to ask it. I apologize if I don't know. Is I got to go back to this Browns thing because I got to wrap my mind. We're we're spoiled. We're, we're in Western Pennsylvania. We're Steeler fans. Don't hold that against us. Oh no! I know. Oh, I, oh. <laughs> mm. I, I was waiting for the click. He's just gonna hang up. I'm done with these dummies. That's it. I'm out. <laughs> No, I already knew that. I was just hoping it wouldn't come out because you know we've only been beat so many times by, and and it's sad as a Browns fan. Every year, my dad will tell you the Super Bowl comes twice a year, and it's when we play Pittsburgh. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's it. Uh, that's how they see it, and and it's amazing. You know, Pittsburgh's done nothing but rightfully kick our butts from one end of the field to the other. If we're gonna hate anybody, I feel like we should hate the Ravens. You know, but. Uh, that's just me personally, but you want, Dad will tell you the Super Bowl comes twice a year, and it's when we play Pittsburgh. You know, and the the shame of it is, is, is a Pittsburgh fan, and I've said this on the air before, Rick, is, you know, the the Browns used to be, I don't know if you're, you're even old enough to go back and remember the false hope years of the Browns, you know, with Bernie Kosar. <laughs> you, said, yeah. you know, you, you weren't going to win, but you had false hope every year until John Elway mm-hmm. showed up, but we won't go down that road again. But <laughs> you know, it is great for the city of Cleveland, though. And and I'm a uh, in terms of where I am, I'm a Cleveland Browns fan, number one team, number one anything. And then after that, I'm a Dale Jr. fan. And then from there, I'm a Braves fan. But after that, I love my Cavaliers and I like the Indians. But I think it's amazing. Here's a team. Here's a city that hasn't had a championship in 68 years, and they might end up with two in one. I mean, I think that's just amazing for the city. And and I mean, the Indians—they're looking great, man. They really—they really are. Yeah, no, no question about it. And that's what I was getting at. Is you know, as a Steeler fan, I, I was born and bred and raised to for several years that you know I'm supposed to hate the Browns, and then and then the Browns I hated. They moved to Baltimore. I hate. You've had all this bad luck in Cleveland. I've been to Cleveland plenty of times for for work and for other things. They're great people. Cleveland and Pittsburgh just aren't all that different. And I find myself I can't hate Cleveland anymore, and it drives me insane. You know, for for as Browns fans, I have you sympathy. You almost have to pity them. Right. Like, you know, you you can only. It's like I said. If the Cubs beat the, the Indians, no one in Cleveland should complain because Cubs have had a longer drought than they have. They should understand the pain, if anything. 
Yeah, but they've had plenty of luck with the Blackhawks and the Bulls and, and the Bears in 85. I've got no sympathy for, for the Chicago hey, sports fans. the fan. White Sox. You know, I find yeah, it's probably – Yeah, I don't know. There, there'd be nothing like a Cubs victory. You know that would just set that, that entire city on fire. Oh, yeah, no no question about that. So, uh, yeah, one thing we do a ton and mostly on this show is, uh, is a little fantasy football. Doug, you happen to be a fantasy football player. I am. Uh, I love playing the weekly fan duels. Uh, that, that's basically where all my paychecks go. Uh, <laughs> literally, we pay the bills, and whatever's left goes in fan duel, and I blow it every week. And then uh, I've got tons of good friends and, and you know people I've met on the road, other other singers and things, and we're all in uh, a couple of them ESPN leagues and things, and they're a lot of fun, man. They're really good. Now, do you are you uh, have a um any kind of recording date set up? I mean, you're working on an album, or you have a tour planned, or you know, oh, we we have an album actually that's out. The thing is, we have yet to release it digitally because we're currently making trips back and forth to Nashville, uh, and and probably going to get a record deal here between now and and March of next year. I would imagine we'll have something finished. And uh, I mean, we have an album that's recorded. We use the same fiddle player that played for Garth, Taylor Swift, uh, Luke Bryan. Uh, all of the musicians have the same pedigree. They've played for, uh, you know, Brad Paisley. They've played for Luke Bryan. They've played for, uh, you know, uh, Chris Stapleton. Uh, there's a guy that I'm sure you guys ha- would love if you haven't heard him already. Um, so we've made a great album, and you can get it on my website, um, but you can't get it digitally yet. Well, we'll, I'll tell you what, we'll definitely be looking for that, loving loving what I'm hearing. Well, Johnny, we really appreciate your time. We don't want to keep you any longer. we got to get you back to, back to that Indians game. So why don't you take a second, Johnny, tell them where they can find the album, where they can reach you, where they can get more information, anywhere they can come see you, anything you need to plug. Go ahead and do it. <laughs> well, man, I mean, first off and foremost, if you want to follow me on social media, just put in my name. It's Johnny Reed Foley. Um, and you can find me Twitter, Instagram, any of that stuff. And if you want to get a, a hold of the album, uh, the best thing to do is you go to johnnyreedfoley.com, the store there. You can purchase an album, and um, you can use the promo code ASYLUM, and you'll get two ninety nine off of uh, the autographed copy. So we're going to do that on our website. If you want to go put that in, uh, you'll get the autographed copy for free instead of just uh, having to pay for that version of it. And um, like I said, uh, I appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, we're going to be—I've subscribed up now, and I'll be listening to you guys a whole lot more often. Maybe we'll uh, we'll do another one of these one day. Well, I certainly hope so. I, I appreciate you taking the time to come on the show. We really, uh, you know, we're going to do everything we can to you know pump you up because I may tell you what—you're just one heck of a nice guy, and you know to take the time out to come on the show, we appreciate it, and we hope you uh, stay in touch. You know, just let us know what you're doing. You know, say hey, do you want to come? You know, can I come on or, or do you have whatever? I mean, anything we can do, let us know. Well, you know what? Next time we're up in New Hampshire or up that way, I may just call you and, and offer some race tickets and see if y'all can't come on out. <laughs> oh yeah, we'll we'll do that. We'll we'll, we'll get to the racetrack. I'll, I'll go hang out with my people out there. I'll be a drunken fool, but I, I'll be out hey, there. I'll man, blend right I'll in. I'll be looking for the two guys rolling up in the '69. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, smoke I, rolling out. I wish it was still around. I really do, but uh, unfortunately, the poor oh. thing died. <laughs> 
Oh man, I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> All right, Johnny, man, we really appreciate it. We'll we'll get the uh, the website and the album and that uh, promo code up on the website. We'll get it tweeted out. We definitely appreciate your time. Best of luck in anything. Hope you get that record deal done, and let's do this again real soon. All right, boss man, guys, it was nice talking to y'all. All right, thank you, sir. Thanks, Johnny. Thanks, guys. All right, there's yeah. the Skype music. I love that. Yep. John, what what a cool guy. Yeah, that was Johnny Reed Foley. Down-to-earth down uh, guy. So yep. it's com. We've got a promo code, Rick, promo code Asylum. Do your boys a favor. Go down and buy that. Let them know you heard him here on the Asylum and you appreciate it. And, and I'll tell you what, do yourself a favor because, t- you know, once I started talking to this guy, we started listening to his music. I tell you what, I'm just an instant fan. I mean, yeah, do I, yourself a favor. I'll tell you what, this sounds – I let, let's pull back the curtain here. If we didn't enjoy his music, we, we wouldn't have done this. This is – you know, you hear it, and I do stick, and I do like this stuff much to Rick's chagrin, and I play all this bad 90s R&B and the Taylor Swift to tick him off. But if you if you get me drunk and put a gun to my head and say, Rick, what's your favorite kind of music? It's – Johnny Reed Foley's type of country music. The Hank Williams Jr., I hit you with that a lot. The real oh, yeah. country music, and even up to a Garth Brooks. You know, and the ones that, you know, I didn't want to mention <laughs> with, well, with him. I is- didn't want to put him in an awkward spot. Cleet's shaking his head. He doesn't think I should be saying this right now. So... No, no, this isn't throw, from Johnny Reed Foley. Johnny, this is from Rick Flieger. You could throw Johnny Reed Foley in with, you know, like you said, you know, Hank Jr. Um, Darius Rucker, he throwed, you know, I mean, a whole blend of all this Hootie. kind of stuff. Yeah, of course, Hootie <laughs> and the Blowfish. You know, um, like I said, I mentioned John Prine, uh, Waylon. I mean, everything. You and real. John Prine. You got a real John Prine. Thing. I love John Prine. I hadn't heard of John, John Prine. John Prine is a le- Cleet, you've heard of John Prine. John Prine is Awesome. Was that there the one you your buddy hung out with or something? Yeah. Or they dated the same chick? What was that story? No. You had this whole story. I can't he remember. He just wrote a verse verse, A verse about your buddy. About my buddy and his ex-wife. Snuffy. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm snuffy. He oh, was weird. Weird. He wrote yeah. about weird. You're snuffy. I can't keep him all yeah. straight. There's but, I mean, a- you know, please, I mean, just let us talk about Johnny oh. Reed Foley and, and good classic country artists and don't act like you know who's that because you just make yourself sound stupid we know who john prine is right dear abby yes exactly dear abby dear abby see i do not know of john prine and i do consider myself so maybe i can't consider myself a country music aficionado but i do not know of john prine (sighs) no i mean you can't spanish pipe dream also fantastic now you're just saying weird phrases (laughs) no these are titles of songs no Okay. This Jesus, is, the missing years. This is what happens with fantasy opium. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you had too much of that 20 proof beer. Is it time for break yet there, Armando? Close enough. All right, close enough. So let's take a break <laughs> here. Once again, johnnyreedfoley.com, promo code Asylum. Check out that album. Get that autographed copy of the album. I'll tell you one thing. He's going to have an order from Rick Flieger as soon as we go off the air here. No we doubt. will be back next. We're going to play a little Factor Fiction exclusively on the Arena Sports Network. Now- Welcome back to the Asylum Fantasy Sports Show here on the Arena Sports Network. Rick, that is the Beastie Boys. You know what you don't know about this album that this song is on, Rick? You don't know this. This is the first cassette tape that your best friend in the world, Rick Flieger, ever owned. Are you bragging or complaining? He had the chicken pox. 
and he was home from school. What was? And his mother was feeling bad for him. And I she don't said, care about him being this sick. This is a good story. No, it's, it's a horrible story. <laughs> what was the first album put on CD? The first one I ever owned was Warren's no, Cherry no, no, Pie, no, no. but I don't think it no, was that. What was the first album put on CD? I couldn't tell you that. Newt? I actually want to say it was the Beach Boys. Nope. No. It was Brothers in Arms, Dire Straits. 86. Mine, I got them at the three at the same time for the same Christmas. It was Warren. You know, making hey. movies was a great album. <laughs> Listen, it was Warren's Cherry Pie, Metallica, Metallica. I mean, you know what I'm Argue about. with that album, Rick. Yeah. Metallica, Metallica. No, I love Metallica. And then the third one, you're not going to be a fan of. It was Public Enemy. No. So I had a wide range of music back then. Then I got my country albums later. Um. Anyway, going back to more important talk. We're talking to the control room. We're supposed to be doing a show here, Rick. Actually, let's go. All right, it is time. We have Wink Martindale on the scene here. It's ready to play the game that's sweeping the nation, sweeping the universe, Richard. It is time for fact or fiction. Oh, that's loud. It's Chuck Woolery time. Chuck Woolery, let's bring him in. All right, everybody's been waiting for this all week, Rick. We will have Armando Hermosa on the ones and twos. We'll be we'll be hitting the show hard, Rick. Let's do it. Go ahead. With two turntables and a microphone. Indeed. The lack of trust that the Jets have in Ryan Fitzpatrick actually bodes well for Matt Forte. Who are you asking? I'm going to go with Mr. Briggs. I don't know if it really bodes well for him. I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick was in the lineup for the last four weeks before this previous week where he exploded and used him sparingly. And I think Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to be Ryan Fitzpatrick, and it's going to be an interception fest. And I think you'll get sporadic production from Forte, but I don't think there's anything consistent you can expect from him. My octogenarian friend, you couldn't be more wrong. Really? Why don't you own his ass and you tell me about your fantasy success? You make a deal. We'll, we, we can make a deal right now. Specifically, he was talking about a donkey. Yes, indeed, because we don't curse on this well, show. No. This is a family-friendly show. Here's the point, Rick. Through two weeks, the New York Jets were 2-0, and correct? Can we agree on that? We don't agree on much. Can right. we agree on that? Right. They were 2-0. and what was the common theme in that 2-0? I know What that. were we on here kvetching you know and that. whining about? You know that. Even Pedro knows that. But <laughs> We fired Pedro. <laughs> this is Alejandro Hermosa. But Ryan Fitzpatrick doesn't know that. I, but that's He's the a po- Harvard graduate and knows better, that, apparently, that, and thinks he can be Johnny Unitas. That is the point. If you listen to the question, instead of you know swimming in the sea of me, as you tend to do, had you listened to the question, will his the lack of trust in Ryan Fitzpatrick, will that bode well for Forte? Through two weeks, they gave the, the ball to Forte about 172 times conservatively, and you saw what he did. And then all of a sudden, it became the Ryan Fitzpatrick show. He started swimming in the Lake of Ryan like you swim in the Lake of Briggs. 
and he's flinging the ball around and throwing interceptions, and Matt Forte disappears. Now he comes back begrudgingly. I don't know how much of this game you saw. They, they were showing a lot of it on the red zone. They wouldn't dare let him throw the ball. He gave it to Forte over and over again, and that's where those numbers came. So it bodes well for Forte, at least in the short term, because this ball's been taken out of his hands. He, he done, Todd Bowles is done with him. He is done. You turn around, you hand the ball to this guy. Now he's going to break down real soon because he can't handle this amount of work, which we went on and on and on about after week two. That's where I disagree with you because Geno Smith is hurt. It's a Ryan Fitzpatrick show. Apparently Todd Bowles doesn't think Bryce Petty's ready. And, of course, he may if they lose another two or three games in a right. row. But if Ryan Fitzpatrick keeps playing like Ryan Fitzpatrick, I, I – I don't think it bodes well for Forte because they're going to fall behind. My point is he's he, not going to get the opportunity well, to play he's like going to take Ryan Fitzpatrick. Well, he may do that. That's but the game plan is going to run through Forte, and that means nothing but good things for Forte. So I will take his donkey, as you so eloquently stated earlier. You go ahead and put the deal out there. All right, Wink. All right, so the next question we will uh, send to Mr. Fleeker. Finally. Some sense in this thing. Oh, yeah, Dude, listen to you. 2016 will be will be a lost season for one Jamal, Jamal Charles. Oh, this pains me, Rick. I know what your answer is going to be. It's over. He, he's had a setback. He's reverted back to early, early recovery from this injury. Swelling's bad. You know, you, you think about a football player, they're probably swole everywhere after every game, but – this injury swelling is a bad deal, and I thought the time he had off, they eased him back in. You heard me spit into this microphone for months now that it was going to be fine. I thought it was a great thing that they waited weeks and weeks to bring him back, and now he's had a setback. It, it's completely over. And honestly, Rick, I've got to say, I wonder what his, if any, long-term future is in Kansas City with the way Spencer Ware's performed the last year and a half. Do you even need Jamal Charles back? I agree. I mean, if you read the Fantasy Greek Sports Guide. Here we go again. <laughs> Swimming in Lake Me with Rick well, Briggs. Okay, but I'm going to put the question to you. Who said it was the beginning and the end of Jamal Charles in back in when? May. Well, that is a publication of note, and I did read it, and it was you. I'll okay. give you that. I'll give I it agree to with you. you 100%. I mean, we don't agree on much, but, but I agree. <laughs> For good reason, because you're wrong so much. <laughs> I, who's right? This time. Okay. It's the old blind squirrel thing. Let's We just we just went through the overvalued players off oh, yeah. the air. Yeah, if you Who was right? If anybody th- Who was right? <laughs> it lest anybody What th- that Finkelstein kid? <laughs> you and the Finkelstein. Lest anybody think this is on air shtick, the Lake Me thing I'm talking about. Here's how we spent the commercial break. Rick Briggs <laughs> pulled out the aforementioned fantasy Greek fantasy draft guide, read read us the article of the ten overvalued players, and after each one he felt he went got right, went BAM! 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 And I swear to God, and this is a quote. This kid's pretty good, is how he described himself at the end. Lake Me is where I'm swimming today. You better believe it. <laughs> I've I've swim, fish, drink Lake Me, pal. All right. All right, so next question is, uh, Marquise Lee needs to be on your bench until – oh, I'm sorry, I pronounced that wrong. Allen Robinson <laughs> needs <laughs> to be on your bench until further notice. 
Mr. Briggs. I think so. I mean, this team, Rick and I have talked about this at length off the air. I, I bought into Blake Bortles. He bought into Allen Robinson. And we both bought in basically to the one-two punch of Chris Ivory and TJ Yeldon. And this was a dynamic offense, blah, blah, blah. And we are wrong, okay? Yeah, I, I you probably don't have a better option Considering he was probably your your wide receiver one, oh, he was a and first not, round pick. Now you're down into the fourth and fifth guys. There may not be a better option to put there, but to your point, um, Armando, that the he should be Armando benched. Hermosa. Armando, Armando, Hermosa. It's Armando. a fun name to say. <laughs> it is. I enjoy. But it. I tell you what. You probably are forced to start him. I say you should bench him, but you may not have better options. You probably are forced to to start him. I tell you what, the expectations are nil, Rick. Yeah, I, I think what it comes down to, and I have stubbornly across a myriad of leagues, all of them basically, because I was the, the conductor on the Allen Robinson cha- train this offseason, I own him everywhere, and I'm lo- and I've stubbornly continued to play him. Say, all right, he's, the targets are there. This week's the week. This week's the week. This week's the week. And as we talked about back in segment two, Rick, in our takeaways, Blake Bortles is a loser, and he's destroying this season for Allen Robinson. And, and to your point, last week was the yeah, – it was against the Oakland defense. If you cannot at least – score some points. I mean, we predicted them to lose. Right. I mean, it was like, you know, whatever, 35-28, 35-30, whatever. But they should have – the offense should have at least produced some points. They can't even do that. I mean, it, it's just they are so out of sync with each other, they're doing nothing. You know, and let's bring it let, – let's jump out of the deep waters of Lake Briggs and jump into the shallow waters of Lake Flieger for a minute. As I sit and I look at the Caveman League here, you know, I'm looking at – Last week, I left Michael Thomas on the bench, you know, for a T.Y. Hilton and a Brandon Marshall who did anything. I'm honestly considering finally <laughs> week eight, you know, way, way to be decisive, stupid. But finally week eight, I'm thinking it's time to sit Allen Robinson down in favor of a Michael Thomas. And what I was trying to avoid, and we talk about this a lot on Sunday mornings on the slant, I don't want to get caught with my pants down on the week he finally breaks out. I think after eight weeks or after seven weeks going into week eight, I think I would rather accept missing the one week where he finally bounces back and playing the odds, I think this is the week finally, and maybe it was three weeks ago and I'm slow to the party because I'm emotionally invested in this cat. I think this is the week where where the, where it turns and I say, all right, I've got to sit him down until this changes and it's going to cost me a week. I'm out of the playoffs anyhow. It doesn't matter. But it's going to cost me a week of his production on, on in my starting lineup. But until further notice, i got to back off, right? I think that the time has come. Yeah, and the worst part about it is they have a Thursday night game. They're playing right now as, as well, we speak. That's and, true, too. At Tennessee. And if you've benched him or if you've started him, I mean, it's a tough, it's a tough call. And – I mean, I I hate that was to, my subtle way of asking you what you do this week. I, and it all goes back to lineup. What kind of depth that you well, have? It becomes Allen Robinson or Michael Thomas. 
And Michael Thomas. I mean, I had to go Michael Thomas. I agree, and, I, and, I agree. and that's what I did because, of course, Allen Robinson's playing right now, right? Yeah. I got he, something in my eye here. Yeah, exactly, yeah, and he'll know. probably have 10 catches and 180 yards by the time the oh, game's over. Just no it. question about and, it. And that goes back to guys like this. Look, I was a victim of benching Matt Forte. I was suffering through, what, a solid month of single digits under six points per game. And he explodes with 32 points. Right. So, you know, I mean, this is the risk that you take. But if you're desperate, you, you got to do something. Yeah, I agree 100%. Armando. All right, next question. Uh, I Who's it to? I it's to me. Everybody knows I think this. it goes to, yes, Mr. Flieger. I'm a little biased on this one, but Cam Newton has a legitimate chance to get back to his 2015 form? I don't think so. And and I think I understand your bias, and, and I love this kid, and he's electric. He's an electric player, and he's going to have some big weeks. Here's what it is. If it's simply a performance issue, he can come out of that. They'll figure it out. They'll are, fix it. Are you talking about a cell phone again? Maybe. Okay. I, I could be. But he, here's my problem. This is between the ears. This is something going on here. Going back to that Super Bowl where he just got battered and bludgeoned, and and he had the hissy fit after the Super Bowl. When he comes in and he has some tough weeks, and we saw the hissy fit he had after week six before the before the bye week. He had a cute little hat, though. Well, he looks fantastic in a fedora. I mean, make no mistake about it, and I'm jealous about that. He, he's a devastatingly handsome man. But unfortunately, what's going on between his ears is the problem, and his physical abilities can't overcome that. Well, you disagree? Oh, Lord. I don't know. I just don't look at anyone as a devastatingly handsome man. Well, if you could pull but off a fedora what, like on, that, I'd say the same thing about you. Coming I, off a I buy, would say he's more dashing. Dashing's a good word. I like Coming that. off a buy, going against Arizona – probably isn't the best scenario you could hope for because Arizona totally outplayed Seattle. The defense exceeded all expectations, and they still came out with a tie. Even though they're coming across country, just what Carolina has shown this year, it could be a long day for Cam Newton. Yeah, I think it's going to be a long 2016 for him. And if they go to, what, one and six – I mean, he, you know, he's already. We've already talked about him looking defeated and so forth. They go to one and six, or what is it, one and seven? I can't even remember what the records are right now. But yeah, they're a one win win team, and I, I don't know if they can recover from it. No, it, it, it Maybe a seven and nine, eight and eight team, but I just don't I think don't, you're going to see that dynamic Cam Newton that we saw last year and i think it's between his head it, it, it between his ears i think that's where it is look they're one and five they lose to arizona they're one and six they're not going to be nine and seven there's no chance they're going eight and two after that i i, I just think that the whole chemistry of the team is gone there's there's something there's something that that's lacking in cam's leadership ability when they have those horrible outings and he shows in the press conference they don't want to he doesn't want to answer questions he doesn't want to talk that is to me not t- 
taking the team on the shoulders. Right. He right. can lose them quick. Right. And we may already be there. Yeah, but, exactly. But the fedora is fantastic. Well, yeah. It, I mean, it's, it's nice. Dashing. Next. Next question uh, goes to, I think. Yeah, uh, me. Yeah, that works. Um, <laughs> Golden Tate will continue to perform as well as he has in the last two weeks. I didn't even finish. <laughs> I don't. You don't have to. I, I don't get me wrong. I don't think he's going to disappear like we saw him earlier on. Like Rick mentioned earlier in the show, he was sort of in a doghouse for lack of work ethic, etc. I think he's going to stay significantly involved in the offense, obviously. But Detroit seems to have, you know, they got um, Riddick coming back. I think they just have enough to to spread it around. Matt Stafford can move the ball around almost different places when need be. I think he's going to be productive, but I don't think you're going to see him as a dominant wide receiver as we saw when Calvin Johnson was hurt a couple of years ago and he just basically took over. You know, you got Marvin Jones, Ebron, Riddick's coming back. He's going to be productive, but I don't think he's going to be – a dominant force. I think he's going to be, you know, somebody you want to have on your roster and play as a flex or a wide receiver three, something like that. But the consistency, I don't think, is going to be there. Well, and that's where I guess it depends on how you look at it. It seems you, you sort of took the question, is, is he going to become a dominant player? You know, I think what we saw last, what we saw two weeks ago, no. Well, you know, what do you have, 15 catches right. and 782 yards and nine touchdowns or whatever we wound up with. But what we saw last year, six for 96, I believe it was. You know, I had every player on my team had like 94 to 98 yards. I couldn't get those 100 bonuses anywhere, not that that has anything to do with anything. But I think this six for 90, I think you can see that out of him. And if you can get that fairly consistently, if you can sprinkle in a few touchdowns here and there, I think this makes him, to, to your point where I, I think we agree, I sort of disagree with the way you couch it, but with your end result, I agree. This guy's a WR3. He's an every week flex start, right, yeah. which he wasn't. Rick, I picked him up off the waiver wire three weeks ago is where he was at. To where he's come now, that's a big step. Again, I think we saw the mega lows early in the year. We saw the mega high two weeks ago. He's not, right. getting, he's not getting back to that, I grant you, especially if they get some semblance of a running game back or at least get Theo Riddick back into the passing game. But six, five, six, seven catches, 75 to 100 yards week in and week out, sort of what we expected from Golden Tate and from where you had drafted him, that would be the production you expected. I think he does continue that. So I'm going to say it's fact just the way I interpreted the question, but I think when it's all said and done, we actually do agree yeah, on the outcome of this. Yeah, I'll go along with you there. I, I, you, you, your point was well taken. He had such an abysmal start. It was like people were dropping him. He was on the waiver wire. Three waiver wires I picked him up right. off of. I mean, 20, and for good reason. 22 targets in the last two games. I think, yeah, I agree with you. I think you'll see that. You'll start seeing eight, nine, ten targets a right. game. So maybe you're talking six, seven catches a game and whatever. It may it's be 75 70 to, 100. to 110 yards. Right, right. right. Okay, yeah. And I'll uh, take that out of a flex play any week, any week, especially so, in Biden. So I'll switch and – We'll give her a fact. All right, I backed you down. I like it. Wore him down. Next. Okay, come on, Julio. <laughs> Armando. Armando. <laughs> James White is a must-start in PP, 
PPR formats. There we go. For our English-speaking friends, that is James White is a must-start every every week in PPR formats. And I say that's a big old fact. All he does is catch touchdowns. And one thing we know about Tom Brady, when he finds himself a new toy, Right, he sticks with it. Speaking of new toys, yeah, we got Armando in playing in the control booth Armando. and getting wacky, wacky sounds out. But look, he's got himself a new. To- Here's what you have to deal with, because now without all the murder, we, we got Aaron Hernandez back and Martellus Bennett, right? So we got no wide receivers. We're used to that. Yeah, Chris Hogan put the ball on the carpet and he disappeared, and we may never see him again. <laughs> right. Belichick may have him in a cave somewhere at this point. So Legarrette Blunt's running like crazy. You've got Julian Edelman doing what Julian Edelman does. I believe it was nine catches for 60 yards. I still don't know if that's a start in PPR leagues. I, I have no idea. But So you have him doing that. You've got Gronk doing Gronk things. Now you got Martellus Bennett out there doing her Aaron Hernandez things. You know, Well, not every Aaron Hernandez things, but Aaron Hernandez football things. Thankfully. Yes. And now you throw in a toy like James White. All right, so maybe you can slow down Edelman. You can't stop him. Maybe a bracket Gronk. I, I think what you look at, you're not going to stop a guy like Gronk, so let's try and take away uh, Martellus Bennett. Who the hell's left to co- co- cover James White, right? So he's impossible to cover. He, he's not getting eight, nine catches, but he's getting in the end zone every week. He's a toy in that red zone. So, yeah, I think you got to play him every in a PPR. Well... Yeah, he scored last week against Pittsburgh, and he had the two touchdowns against Cincinnati. But that, that's always got all year. But against Pittsburgh, he had two receptions on five targets. And, you know, the five targets isn't that wonderful, but then the two receptions on top of that is even less wonderful. Right. I don't know if he's a must-start. I mean, maybe in a flex if you've got somebody that's kind of banged up or something – yeah, he's a, he's a good option, but I, I'm not sure that he is one of these kind of guys that – I mean, look, he had, he had two receptions for 32 yards. He had the touchdown. You take the touchdown away, like five points. Big but, deal. But you can't take the touchdown away. Here's well, the point. But the thing is he hasn't scored – he's only scored all right. three all year long. Hold on, hold on. Slow your roll, as the kids no, say. No, no, I am. I'm not. How many games – has one Tom Brady played this season? Grant. Can you answer that? Now answer the question. How many? Well, let's How see. many? Three. Three. How yeah. many touchdowns does Mr. White have? Three. How many games were they in? Yahtzee. How many games were they in? What are you talking about? How many games were they touchdowns. in? touchdowns. Two. Well, that, so be it. I'll take the average of a touchdown a game. Well, Here's my That's point. That's my point. As hard as That's it is, my point. as hard as it is to find a number two running back in this trash heap that is the 2016 fantasy football season, you give me a guy who's averaging a touchdown a game in a PPR format. I will start him every week. He's not week. going to every average week. a touchdown. I think he a game. will. I think he will. I think he will. There's too much Legarrette Blunt there, and there's too much Gronk. There's too much Bennett. There's too much Edelman. James White is not a must-start. Balderdash. Next. Next question. It might be a two-parter. We'll see how much time we have. The Cameron Meredith breakout is over. I believe that's to me. And I'm going to say yes. I think this is – oh, I think Rick finally agrees. No, I agree. Since you both agree, what stings more, his breakout being over or a long weekend in Vegas? Hmm. 
I'll tell you what stings even more than that, Jay Cutler returning. That's what it is. And that's <laughs> how many times. And circle gets a square. <laughs> <laughs> how many times do we talk about, remember Jersey Rick brought it up. I don't remember who he was talking about, but brought it up on Sunday morning. If you, if you listen to the slant, you, you hear from Jersey in the house every Sunday. He calls into the show where he talked about the the rapport that there is between a third and fourth type of wide receiver and the backup quarterback. And that clearly existed when Brian Hoyer came in. Meredith got slowed down. But that, that game Thursday, last Thursday was just a dumpster fire, so I threw that one out. But you take Brian Hoyer out, you bring constipated Cutler back in, now it becomes all about Alshon Jeffrey again, right? And you see Meredith fade back into the backdrop. He'll get his work. He'll get his work, but not to the level he got where he was almost looked like the first option for for a Brian Hoyer. Look, we saw Meredith come on with Brian Hoyer, like you said. Why? Because they had the chemistry together, working in preseason, working in practice, the second teams working together. Cutler's coming back. Elshon Jeffries is his boy. Zach Miller's his boy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I agree with you. He's going to be the third, fourth option to Jay Cutler. Jay Cutler is totally bored with being on the field, so he's going to go to who's ever familiar. He's not going to learn anything different. He's just going to go through the motions, make his millions, and walk off the field with a broken thumb and smile. (laughs) Well, he's not going to smile. Oh, he'll smile, sort of. He's not going to smile until he's got home. He does have that smoke show of a wife. She was on one of those terrible MTV shows, but she's getting it done. She's a good egg, that one. I don't know how he pulled that. I guess it's the cash. Well, I think that's pretty obvious. But it was from one, it was one of them rich chick shows, so she come for money. So I can't imagine she married him just for his cat. Maybe he has a personality outside the white lines. I don't know. <laughs> George Washington. When when we go to video, you'll 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 get that. Tweet us at Asylum yeah. Football if you want to be filled in on what Rick Briggs just did off camera that we can't <laughs> talk about here on the Arena Sports <laughs> Network. All right, Armando, is that about time to wrap it up? Sounds about good. All right, Factor Fiction is done. I win again. Thank you so much to we everyone. We swept the nation again. Yeah. We both win. And I win. So And the nation wins. Every, Why? Everybody wins. Yeah. All right, well, that's it. We will be back Sunday, 10 o'clock Eastern. Blog Thank talk. you so much to Johnny yes. Reed Foley for taking the time out of his schedule to join us on the Asylum Sports Show on the Arena Sports Network. And quit being cheap. Head on over to johnnyreedfoley.com. You know, look this cat up. You're going to love his music. Buy the album. Enter the promo code ASYLUM. Get some cash off. Get that autograph. You're going to want that when this kid hits it big time. You're going to say, I knew him when. So get over there. JohnnyReedFoley.com. Promo code ASYLUM. Buy the album. That's what I will be doing as soon as we get off the air here. Sunday, 10 o'clock Eastern. AsylumFantasySports.com. Blog Talk Radio. We will be doing the inside slant. Get your questions in at Asylum Football on Twitter, AsylumFootball at gmail.com. We'll answer all your questions on Sunday. We'll be back Thursday on the Arena Sports Network, arenasportsnet.com. Until Sunday, Thursday, or any other time, we'll see you. Take care. When I was arrested, I was dressed in black. They put me on a train and they took me back. Had no friend for to go. Are you happy now? You bet. I do like Johnny Cash. Who doesn't like it? Has anybody ever said, I don't really care for that Johnny Cash? I, I've never heard. Well, they probably got knocked out. I'm coming down the line. Up Danny Cough as he cleared his
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, only by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.